We're going to be in Romans chapter 13 today. Romans chapter 13. We're going to begin with verses 8 through 10. I invite you to follow along with the other version you have in front of you. God's word is good. Let no debt remain outstanding, except, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet it. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your written word. May it be written in our minds and in our hearts, Lord. Let us take it, let us take it wherever we go. Let it impact and influence every decision, every action, because we have changed who we are. It becomes a part of us. It leads us. And we thank you for it this day. We thank you for your living word, Jesus Christ. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. See, this is kind of one of those hinge and transition points. This is the newness of Christ. This is not this is fulfillment, not change. This is putting a new covenant in place. This is a new day. This is a new morning. And it sets up the next part of this scripture in verses 11 through 14 so well. I'm going to read through those. We will go back through those later. But this today is about hope. It is about a dawn. It is about a new morning. It is about so much that we have sang every song, every scripture. It has gone together perfectly. And do this understanding the present time. And to do this, it's speaking of those scriptures that we just read. Putting the emphasis on loving our neighbor, of fulfilling all the law by changing our hearts into Christ-likeness. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Christ Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I want you to close your eyes for a second. Now, this may not be too hard for some, and, and try not to fall asleep, but think about that time. It's a long night. You have been tired. You've worked hard. Maybe the blanket feels a little heavier, wraps you in that. Maybe you have a, a nice dog beside you to keep you warm. Maybe that is your spouse. But it's all quiet and peaceful. 
and you hear this sweet phrase, rise and shine. Right? That's how we, we get abruptly awakened sometimes. That, that there's a newness to rise and shine. The night has finished. The whole thing that we have gone, we're tired, we sleep, we have now rested. And it is time to, as the scripture says, it is time to wake up. Or maybe you like the phrase, I like, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey, right? It is time to get up. It is time to start something new. The old Yesterday is done. It is gone. And we have hope and a promise, but we have a hope in the potential that is in front of us. Dawn has come. The space between the night and the day, the space that there is still shadow, it is not fully light yet. And depending on your outlook of the day, depending on where you are with God, depending on what is your circumstance, that time that you wake up is either full of despair and the heaviness and the weight for which is to come, or it is full of anticipation for what can be. Amen? We've probably all been in both of those places before. Where... We don't want to get up. We don't want to face the challenges in front of us. I think uh, this brought to mind a little dark for the day, but this is where God took my mind, so I, I pray that it's from Him. But I think about those that have been on death row. Now, we don't like to think about those things, right? Who like, nobody likes to think about those things. But can you imagine with me for a second? Can you put your mind in that space where you have maybe served for 5, 10, maybe 20 years and you've been waiting for this call that can come at any time? That that day is here. The heaviness and the anxiousness, the anxiety that would come with that is more than I can even really understand and appreciate. But I'm going to jump ahead for a second. For us to anticipate and for us to appreciate the joy and the hope that we have, don't we kind of have to understand and know what it looks like not to have hope as well? For those that do not know Christ that are in that situation, that hope is dwindling. That hope is not even really there anymore. That that call comes. The day has come. You're separated from others. You're put off into your own little unit. You're put off and you have just a little bit of time to think about what is coming. The relationships are stripped away. You have nothing but to wait for that last day. You have brought in a lot of times, not every day, it's a little different. You are brought a last meal. You have a request that you, your last indulgence, your last thing to try to bring joy. But many in that situation can't even come to eat it because they are overwhelmed with the despair. Like I said, I know that's a little heavy, right? But do we not have to understand the heaviness and the weight of the decisions or not making decisions for us to appreciate what God has provided for us. If we know what we are delivered from, we know better what we are delivered to. And He is good. 
See, for that person, there's no hope. They don't want to go to sleep that night. They are going to stay in the darkness. They're going to stay awake. They're going to try to cling to. And I tell you, the world is at that place in so many ways. You know, they're out partying. They're doing things. They're trying to cling to every last minute because in their mind, this is it. So they want to get everything they can. They don't want to go to sleep. They don't see it as a child sees Christmas. They don't see it that, you know what? I want to go to sleep. I can't because I'm so excited about what's going to happen. But I want to go to sleep so that I may come to a dawn, that I may come and wake up because I know what is in front of me. I know what I have in store. I know the gift that I have to go and get. I tell you, that is the joy, that is the excitement that we need to come to our dawn, to our new morning when we wake up, when it is time to rise and shine, when we have Christ. It's a good day. It's a good morning. Everything's new. Mercies are new. But when we don't have Him... That's so different. And see, you, you know me, if you've been here at any amount of time, I'm not one that we're trying to scare people into heaven, right? We don't use hell as an instrument to bang people to try to get them into heaven. It is enticement enough to be able to live with God, live with our Creator forever, and His presence should be enough to entice us into a relationship with Him and to accept the gift that He gives us that was costly for Him but free for us. We should have that appreciation that, guess what? It's not that I'm scared out of this. I'm not scared out of this judgment. But boy, I have joy because I've been delivered from it. He speaks to us to come to that place that we are between this dawn and what has come. If we look at verse 11, and do this understanding the present time. Know that you have a time coming, that there is a judgment coming. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. The night is nearly over. Now they thought that this was going to be very soon, and, and for them it did not come right in their lifetime. It may or may not come in our lifetime, but guess what? It will come. The night is nearly over. We are to be ready, be prepared. The day is almost here, that we're in this space between where, in, where there are shadows that are still here, but we can see the light coming, that we are able to be a part of that. So put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. There is protection, there is faithfulness in all that he provides for us. You've had this last meal, you've been awake all night, you finally through exhaustion and fear have gone to sleep. The guards come and say, rise and shine, almost mockingly, that the day has come. This is not a place of hope. This is not uh, a dawn that you look forward to. There is no daylight to come. Darkness has truly taken over. Now, you may say, of course there's still hope, right? The governor may call, the Supreme Court may, there may be a stay, there may be a pardon. That there's hope there, right? That is exactly the definition that the world has for hope that does not match our definition for hope that Christ brings us. See, that's the difference between worldly hope and biblical hope, right? Worldly hope says it's, it may happen. It could happen. I hope that the governor calls. I hope that they bring this to a close. I hope that I've been brought out of this and not taken and complete this day. It's really a perfect illustration 
of the hope that the world provides. There's no certainty. There's no assurance. It's really just a gamble with really poor odds, right? That call doesn't usually come. But we cling to this little thing. But no, we have a hope in something much different. We have a hope in a Christ that has already been here. We have a hope in a Christ that has already participated, right, in his last meal, or so they thought. We have the last supper that he was going. Guess what? He went. He went to a garden. He prayed sweat. He dropped sweats of blood. Sweat drops of blood. There we go. Right? Because of that, he asked for a pardon. God, if it's your will, take this cup from me. And it didn't come. He was willing to have a last meal so that we will never have a last meal. See, he has a last meal so that we may come and dine continually with him. He changes from a last supper to the Lord's Supper. Do we take seriously every time, every month when we come and we gather at the table with him that this is a sign of the promise and the hope that is to come? That we will change this meal to the full banquet, the full wedding banquet with him that will not end. That's hope. See, now we have certainty. Now we have assurance. Now we have promise for what is to come. See, our hope is not like the hope of the world. It is not something with poor odds. It is something that is guaranteed, sealed by his blood, sealed by his covenant with us. So when we enter into this, we see that God has changed things with this birth of this new child, that there's a new morning that there is a new day, there is a new covenant, that what was dark and full of shadows now is starting to come out, that light is coming and spilling this place, that it has already come, but still, even though we have the joy, even though we have the hope here, He is not yet done with us. He is not done yet with what He is going to provide for us. There is so much more. And that is the hope that we live into. That is the hope that he provides in this new day. See, for Paul, our justification is now not something that we hope to get in the future, right? That our justification is here. The promise is here. But it's not something this worldly hope. It is a biblical hope. Our salvation is gifted and our true appreciation begins. See, Romans 12, before this, is the call for us to continually transform our lives, individually and communally, to increasingly look like that of the life of Christ Jesus. It comes after this that we have changed things, that you are to enter into this and be living into a new creation, that we are made new, that our slate has been brought. We have been given not only pardon, but we have really started anew. We have been born again in the Christ, and we will be given more and so we live in that starts our appreciation that starts this new thing that will be completed 
in the fullness of the day to come. But when he comes, when we are made new, we will be made Christ-like. And until then, we sing praises and shouts of joy. We have true confidence and hope in him. We can say with confidence when it is time to rise and shine that we will shine with the light of Christ out of the shadows of darkness. That we will be able to behave decently. I don't know if that's the best translation. We can behave decently. You know what? We can behave better than decently. We are the church of the living God. We are the body of the living God. We are the ones we can do even better than to live decently. We can live victoriously. We can live beautifully. We can live holy lives because He has entered us and He now leads us rather than the flesh. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, coming out of the shadows that we are no longer trying to get everything we can get in before the, the night is over. That we are looking more to the future than the past. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Those are the things of night. In sexual immorality and debauchery. Things of the night. Not in dissension and jealousy. Boy, that can happen anytime. See, we like to see these big ones, but sometimes it's this, these smaller ones that actually are more of a threat to us because these are seen, these are noticeable. It's kind of hard to get away from these, but dissension and jealousy are a little bit, those are a little more nuanced. Those are a little more gray in our lives, but he has called us out of those. If you want to have the hope of the newness of a new day, you've got to put off your old self. Rather, he says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is an odd statement, right? But clothe yourselves. You are changed. You are made new. Now see, in this today's day and age, this, this almost doesn't even make sense to us because who wore the same thing today that they did yesterday? Now, if you really did that, don't raise your hand. <laughs> right? We've got tons of clothes, right? We'll just put on. That's how we basically treat, I think, Christ. Is, you know what, today, I'm going to look, Christ is going to look like this for me today. Well, now I want a different outfit. I'm going to put, maybe I'll wear some yellow pants or orange pants tomorrow and, and be a little colorful and some blue shoes. And, and I can be, you know what? We, we, make the, we make the scriptures and we make Jesus try to look like what we want different every day. But see, back then, they really only had one outfit. They had their undergarments. They had their tunic. They put these, it was a special thing. We see ones that are made by single claws and, and mothers would hand these down. They would make them for their children. <clears throat> it was an important part of their life. They didn't have a lot of options. And they say, when you say, clothe yourself in Christ, I will be presenting myself every day in a new way that reflects him. See, we see it as it reflects our personality. We get to change every day. We get to, you know, dress differently. You know, they, no, I am going to be identified now, not by myself, but by Christ, because he is over me, in me, through me, and I will clothe every inch of me with who he is. That's a newness. That is a changed, that's a transformation that we get when we are brought into the Spirit. We see this dawn. The night is nearly over. There's this change. The shadows that were there are starting to go away. The light is creeping in. A new day has come. Man, songs were perfect, Chip. Perfect. How do you approach the new day? 
Do you approach it with anticipation? Are you excited for what is to come? Or are you caught up with anxiety of the things that surround us, the situations that we're in? Or can you look forward to whatever? Guess what? If every day we had the excitement of that child that is coming out, knowing that the gift is there, even if it's not unwrapped yet, we have an appreciation for the gift, right? It is not completely realized, but it is already there. That life that was being lived before, it leads to death. When we say wake up, really, we're waking up from something that will lead to death to something that leads to life. That guess what? When the Bible talks about sleeping, what is it normally talking about? It is talking about death. The wages of sin are death. But we are called to rise and shine. Rise into something new. Become the light. If we have put Christ on us and are clothed with Him, clothed with him we will reflect. We will shine brightly. Rise and shine, church, so that others may know what is available to them. His death changes our hope. Again, his last meal was not his last meal. I was reminded of a story in reading this. Uh, many of you have probably heard of Augustine. Some would say Augustine. People fight over the name. It doesn't matter. He was a theologian that lived an odd life, if you have ever done any research, but he lived in the 4th century. I was one of the brilliant theologians. But he was reading one time. He was in the garden, and he overheard some children. And they said, pick up and read. And he took this, I don't know, I wasn't there. He took that as a sign from God that he was again to pick up the scriptures, to read. It's a well-known story. And what he turned to, what he opened up, what he turned to was Romans 13, verses 13 and 14. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. The word there is sarks. It means a lot. It's our carnal nature. And instantly, Augustine, who had been already thinking about these things, but had not really reached that point where he had given over himself to God and was still having these struggles, still having these doubts, right? We've been there. And once he had this sign, he read these things, he said, I wanted to read no further, nor did I need to. For reading these scriptures, he said, for instantly, as the sentence ended, there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty, and all the gloom of doubt vanished away. Can I read that to you again? I wanted to read no further, nor did I need to, for instantly as the sentence ended, there was infused in my heart something like the light of full certainty and the gloom of doubt vanished away. Man, those are some powerful words from someone that had been struggling. Those words are just as true. They are just as powerful. The Spirit is just as true. It is just as powerful for your life to even in an instant change your heart for Him rather than yourself. A dawn has come. This space between the day and night, we are here. And it is either full of despair or it's full of hope. And you get to choose which it will be. 
If you're doubting today, if you're struggling today, don't. When we go to the communion, use that as a time to either renew your commitment, make a new commitment to Him, make a new understanding, have a new appreciation for the hope of what is already promised to us. Hebrews 11 really defines what hope is for the Christian. Differently than the world, it is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We can't explain it all. But I tell you, you can feel it, you can know it, and you can bring about hope in your life. Who needs hope? We sing about endless days, right? We're going to have endless days. This is not a scare you out of thing. This is a hope for the relationship that we have with Christ Jesus, with our family, that we may gather like this every day and praise the slaughtered lamb. We can praise the risen Savior. We can praise the one that was willing to not get the pardon to suffer the death, but will be risen again, that was risen again for us. I tell you, that should get you excited. That should ha- give you an appreciation for what he has promised to us, that we are at a new day, a new morning, that we are in this in-between, but we are to shine and shine brightly for him. Rise and shine, church. Rise and shine for him. It is worth it. just think that Jesus as he was having that last meal knowing what's coming went to bed was woken you remember it was in the middle of the night that he was arrested right he was praying in the garden in those morning hours probably between about two and five there's, there's, that's why that we're a little bit harsh on, the, on those that would go with him because it was in the middle of the night he, but he said pray stay up with me and he was there and time was coming and it came and he was arrested but with that newness came for all of us that there will be a new dawn that there will be a new day do we celebrate that with him this is not our last meal right this is the lord's supper it is the remembrance that we do for all that he has done, that his body was broken, that his blood was, blood was shed, so that we may come to the table time and time again to remember the hope that we have for an eternity in eating with him. Amen. Amen. We're so happy that you've chosen to listen to our sermon today on the platform of your choice. We at Cory Community Church, the Nazarene, continue to honor our calling to be kingdom people. We rely upon the gift of the fellowship and community to equip each other to fulfill our mission of reflecting the love of Christ to all those that God has placed within our lives. We welcome you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. in Cory, Indiana, just south of State Road 46. God bless.